Welcome to Illinois Family Spotlight, a conversation about faith, family, freedom, the state of Illinois, our nation, and conservative action. Here's David Smith and Monty Larrick. Welcome to another edition of Illinois Family Spotlight. I am Dave Smith, and I have the privilege of uh, having on this podcast and interviewing a, a longtime friend of the show, uh, my personal friend and uh, great conservative Christian activist, Dr. Eric Wallace, uh, who is actually running for State Senate District 40 in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. It's a uh, currently um, open seat. The incumbent there was uh, Toy Hutchinson, and Governor Pritzker recently appointed her to be the marijuana czar for the state of Illinois. And uh, so that seat, we think, could be ripe for picking. And we would be thrilled to have a pro-life, pro-family Christian warrior take that seat in the Illinois Senate. And Dr. Eric Wallace fits the bill. So welcome, uh, Dr. Wallace. Hey, thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Well, we're here um, just uh, days after a very wild discouraging weekend where we saw riots, what, what initially started out as protests, and I'll talk about that in a second, but they turned into riots in dozens of cities throughout the United States, including vandalism, including looting, including arson, uh, and violence of all types, and it was really discouraging to see. Now, at the outset, I want to say unequivocally um, what started all this or, you know, catapulted all this was a despicable act by a Minneapolis police officer who killed a handcuffed guy and, and basically choked him to death or caused his death. Uh, and while four other Minneapolis policemen stood around and did nothing to intervene as the man continually complained, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Um, so unequivocally, we want to condemn that. From what I saw on the video, there is no excuse for that kind of injustice. And the policeman was abusing his authority and should face now criminal penalties, which we'll see. Uh, I, you know, he's up for murder three, we'll see. But... Um, Eric, as a as a longtime community activist who uh, is you know you, you're an army veteran, um, what is your perspective on what happened this weekend? Wow, yeah, I, I would agree with you to uh, to condemn the uh, you know what happened. Police officer on George Floyd is very sad. Where prayers go out for his family, yes, and the community that are grieving over the loss. Um, you know, he was a brother, he was a father. He was, you know, he, he, he's somebody's family member and, and, yep. and now he's gone. And, 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 and I'm so glad you said something because we as pro-life folk, we always get criticized for saying we don't care about people when they're, you know, when they're born, we only care about them in the womb, but that's not, that's not correct. Right. We care, we care about all life. Amen. And I just want to, I want to make that clear. And especially as believers, um, we believe that it, Everyone has been created in the image of God and has, and has value. Yes. Um, so having said that, having said that, I think the, the protest, I've, I've mixed feelings about, but I, I, I believe that people have a right to protest. That's okay? right. I, and Absolutely. we were, we, we were actually, I was actually involved in a protest with, um, uh, you know, opening up Illinois, you know, <laughs> with, with Pritzker, uh, feeling that uh, he had shut down. Illinois and uh, had been shut down too long and that our businesses were, were failing and that people needed to get back to work. And I don't mean in a frivolous, frivolous way. I mean, we, you know, COVID-19 is still, is still out there and we still need to be, we still need to be somewhat careful uh, because people who are vulnerable to that, who could possibly die from that, you know, are still, are still out there and they could, they could get this. But I think there are ways for us to do that without having the government tell us exactly, you know, what to do and how to do it. Now, when it comes to the, uh, so when it comes to protest, I'm all for protest, peaceful protest. Let's do it. 
uh, you feel like there's something, uh, there was something wrong that, that happened in this. And, and maybe they, these guys don't get charged if there's no video. Fortunately, there was video. We have a right to get out there and say, hey, we want to see these guys brought to justice. We want to see justice. Right. But First my, Amendment gives us that right, right? To uh, petition absolutely. the government for redress of grievance. Yep. But, but see, from a biblical worldview, my feeling is we can ask for justice, but we can't forget that righteousness is the other side of that, that same coin. Righteousness and justice go together. Ooh. And actually, in the Greek, it's the same word. So, I mean, we, we have to understand we, we can't be calling for justice and then be acting unrighteous in the same, in the same manner. So we call upon our, our government officials and our people to not only call for justice, but also act in a righteous manner as we do that. Amen. So it, it breaks my heart to see people breaking into stores and looting and burning things down and, and all that. There's, there's no justice or righteousness in that. And the black officer that was killed in Oakland, um, that was, I mean, how do, you, how do you justify that? I mean, here we are upset with a black man who's been killed, and now you've got somebody who's been shot, another black man. So it doesn't, you know, and it doesn't matter what color he was, but it, the irony is that you're, you know, <laughs> you're, you're marching for a black man who was killed. And at the same time, during your, during your protest, another black man gets shot and killed. So, so do you think um, that the movement or the protests were hijacked by uh, far left groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter and maybe, maybe George Soros type groups that are anarchists, other anarchists? Uh, I, I want to play you a clip, if, if you don't mind. Sure of um, Superintendent uh, Brown in the city of Chicago and then the mayor uh, speaking about this very thing. It seems to be quite a bit of a playbook, uh, what's happening in all of our major cities, similar looting, similar burning, uh, similar strategies and crowd movements of these uh, criminals. And so we were, I was talking to chiefs uh, across the country in regards to their assets, their resources, and how they were being used. And it became clear to me uh, that the case had been made that this was not a First Amendment protest, that this was a synchronized uh, strategy to loot, burn, and destroy and, and not express your First Amendment rights. And once uh, that became very clear, because I think there's a clear distinction, we want to protect that sacred right of First Amendment expressions. Um, and once we knew we crossed that fine line, it, we, we clearly crossed it. There was no uh, gray area, in my opinion, based on the actions of the crowd, uh, that more resources would be needed, not only uh, for out of perimeter, but for patrolling for our cops, Chicago cops, and for a relief factor. You can only work cops for so long before uh, their patience uh, wears thin and they make mistakes. So we wanted to. Uh, have an opportunity to build in a relief factor for our cops. They went a long time yesterday without uh, eating anything. Uh, we gave them water, uh, but they were on the line fighting a good fight to protect our, our city. And, uh, you know, I want to ask you a question for the mayor as well. It's related to uh, something that uh, Alderman O'Reilly mentioned, which was, you know, people coming in with U-Hauls, that they clearly had a plan of where they were going to go. Do we believe that there were organized groups, call it anarchists, whatever, that specifically came into Chicago last night with the intent of causing the destruction that they did? I think there's no question about that. <clears throat> Watching um, various areas of the city and how there clearly was coordination, they were clearly listening to uh, radio traffic, the number of U-Haul trucks that magically showed up in front of stores, car caravans that dropped people off who broke in the windows and then were hustling the goods out into the backs of the cars. Absolutely, it was organized. There's no question whatsoever about that. Eric, what's yes. your thoughts? I'd love to get your response to that. Wow, there's not much more to say to that. <laughs> I can't, I can't disagree. Uh, the, the only question is whether you, whether you can tag it and say it was Antifa, um, uh, or not. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if it, if if it was. But clearly, the fact that it was organized, the fact that they were looting, you know, clearly somebody had planned, um, you know, to use this, uh, use the protest as a cover to to start the riots. 
and to and to loot and to pillage. And um, we we see that here even out where I live in the south suburbs of Chicago, yep. where there's rumors of 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 people moving from place to place, and some stores even closed down last night to make sure you know to to close up so they couldn't it would make it diff, more difficult for them to get in, um, which is unfortunate because you know they're, they're looting and having people close up uh, pharmacies and stuff so people can't get their medicine and and it's it's just really it's really it's really sad and as you said I think in the beginning about um, at least I think you said it because maybe, maybe it was us talking off off uh, the, the the recording that 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 uh, how ungodly this stuff is and it's yep. being uh, you know behind the scenes it's the it's the evil one who is moving yeah. and causing confusion the devil wants to divide that's his goal right because what does God ask and it repeatedly throughout scripture unity 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 and so there's uh, uh, I, I just wrote an article in, in which I say inter intersectionality is all the rage. And that's all about putting us in small boxes, dividing and dividing and dividing, continue right, right. dividing us up. And um, that's, that's not what it is. And the fact of the matter is, and, and as a minister of the gospel, Eric, you probably resonate with this. The Bible tells us repeatedly that man's heart is desperately wicked. Um, the original sin of the United States wasn't racism. It was original sin. <laughs> Amen. Amen. The heart of man is desperately wicked. And so without Christ, why are we surprised people are acting in such um, worldly, fleshly ways, right? Amen. I hear you, brother. As you were reading that, I, I wanted to, to quote another scripture. Because sometimes, you know, we read John 3, 16 so much, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then we stop there. But if you go down to verse 19 and said, this is the judgment that the light is coming to the world and that people love darkness rather than, than light because yeah. their, their works were evil. For everyone who does, not, does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his uh, works be exposed. Uh, you know, just under that, that lovely, uh, you know, verse 316 that we love to quote. Sure. There's that warning that, hey, there are people who are not going to come to the light because they're their works are evil and they want to do evil works. So we shouldn't be surprised at some of the things that happen. No. Excellent. That's right. Now let me, let me switch gears on you a little mm -hmm. bit and ask you about politics and, um, and ask you, are you satisfied with Donald Trump's response in the wake of all this? And how is this going to affect, um, or is it going to affect the elections in November later this year? I think his initial response left a lot to be desired. The whole, when, when the looting starts, the shooting starts or something like that. That yep. wasn't a well, that wasn't a well thought out um, <laughs> tweet on his part. And I think some people have kind of reined him in, you know, you shouldn't yep. be quoting. I think one of the people who, who used that, and I'm sure it's been used more than once, but George Wallace is supposedly uh, one who had used that before that quote. Um, and that's not a good person to be associated with, right? <laughs> at least not before he came to the Lord. You know, he supposedly came to the Lord later and went around and apologized. And, I did not know that. That's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was a racist who turned his life after he got shot. He turned his life around, gave his life to Christ. But mm -hmm. you won't, don't want to be quoting him <laughs> uh, uh, at, at this particular time. And so, I mean, the threat is you start to undo all the, all the, progress you made in the African-American community by, yeah. by making comments like that. And so I think Tim Scott helped, you know, reel him back in and said, some of these comments you're making are not helpful. You should the just Senator from it. North Carolina. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Senator Tim Scott. I, I yeah. like him a lot. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I really think this part of this is, is political as well. Not necessarily the, the people who are actually protesting, but the rioting, I think, you know, we saw COVID-19 kind of destroy the economy and now it's being destroyed even more by people running around, you know, breaking into these stores. Some of these stores are never coming back. No, it's some not. Are never coming back. Yeah. And some of them were on the ropes, uh, you know, when they closed down and thinking about opening up again. And now that you, you know, smashed the windows and taken all their product or burned it down. Yep. Not, I mean, that's what happened to the West Side. They said back, back in the, uh, what, 68? 
the riots uh, when King was assassinated, it has not come back. It has no. not come back. That's right. And so, and you can't help, you can't blame some of these entrepreneurs that, you know, if we're going to come in that community, are you guys going to riot, you know, every time some something terrible happens, I, don't, I can't take that. That's too high a risk. If, you yeah. know, the investment is, is. And many of those small business owners were happen to be um, black um, moms and dads too, yeah. or, or business like owners. I, I, you know, yeah. and, and this, so, so um, in, in response to a terrible injustice in Minneapolis, the, the response was to create more injustice. I mean, this is what, you know, um, Satan doesn't make sense, but he is uh, very effective in, in what he does. And, uh, and he's got a lot of people deceived and uh, di dissuaded and, and working for division. Well, let, let me ask you, Chris, um, how do you think this is going to affect election 2020 in your race? And how are you going to get your message out? What are you going to be saying to the folks in the Senate, in Senate District 40? Wow, you, you, that's a mouthful. How, yeah, I know. How much time, how much time <laughs> do we have left? And do Man. that two minutes, uh, Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, First of all, one of, one of the things we want to look at is, is economic empowerment. You know, we, we talk about the RISE principles, and I think I've, I've talked about someone on your shows before, you know, responsible government, individual liberty and fidelity, strong family values, and economic empowerment. Yeah. And, and, you know, and a, a lot of these things are, and they're not separate boxes. They actually overlap one another. So when we have responsible government, which we haven't had in Illinois in decades, uh, we've had very irresponsible government. Um, and that's part of the problem in in Illinois. It's not about racism that's going on in Illinois. It's about mismanagement of funds. It's about pay to play. It's about yeah. uh, bad public policy. It's about Mike Madigan. I might as well say it. Yep. Uh, he's control. He's controlled the Democrat Party for decades, and it's the Democrats who've been controlling the the 40th district. Yep. Uh, and, and even in the district and outside the district in the south suburbs and the west side of Chicago, we see the we see the effects of it. That's not because of racism. That's because there are some people who have their hand in the till and are deciding who gets what and when. And if you don't play his game, you don't get anything. So so we're going to try and change that. I, my thing is, it's time for it's time to rise for a new beginning. Yeah. And, and then the the. The extra part on, on top of that is, or after that, is let us rise for a new beginning because they don't get it. Mm. And the they is Michael Madigan. The they is, uh, is it Don Harmon? Don Harmon, yep. They is J.B. Pritzker. That's they don't right. get it. They don't understand. Uh, that's why Pritzker could shut down Illinois for so long because he doesn't have need for money. He's got money. Right. And, and so it's not going to hurt him. So he's not feeling the pain that everybody else is feeling. So we've got to, you know, it's time for a change. It's time to do something different. And uh, there hasn't been a, a there hasn't been a black. Uh, don't accuse me of playing the race card when I say this, <laughs> but there hasn't been a black Republican in the state in the state uh, Senate in eighty one years. 80, 80, what? 81 eighty years. one years ago. Since wow. 19, 1939. <laughs> so it's 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 time for uh, people to to do something different. And uh, uh, I, I do want to correct you on something. Yeah, even though this. Um, Toy Hutchinson left the seat. They did put somebody else in that seat. Sure, sure, yeah, um, yeah. So she's so, and uh, she's running for uh, against you. Yes, he is. He is. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. A gentleman from uh, out of Kankakee. I won't mention his name. So, no. But <laughs> but, uh, but but yeah. I mean, it's important that people know that in your district, and you can tell us a little more about your district, but. Uh, you literally have the Planned Parenthood uh, of Flossmoor in your district. Yep. And uh, and uh, as we talk here, since uh, former Governor Bruce Runner signed into law the Medicaid funding of abortion, we have seen four new abortion clinics open up in Illinois. The most recent being in Waukegan. We've got one in Skokie, the one in Flossmoor in your backyard, uh, Eric, mm -hmm. and then the one in Fairview Heights, which is 13 miles away from St. Louis. Um, that's pretty despicable. Our tax dollars are going to uh, fund abortions, and that includes uh, um, people coming across the border to get abortions, and even 
illegal aliens getting abortions. Yes. Yes, that's correct. And we're going we're going to pay for it. That's right. So how are you, you know, tell us a little bit more about your um your district. Well, uh it's if you go to my website uh, wallaceforillinois.net wallaceforillinois.net okay and that's and that's f o r not okay. the letter 4 there's a there's a <laughs> there's a place the number, on there you can the number 4 click. yeah right uh, there's there's a place where you can uh, click on the map and it'll show you a map because it's like a jigsaw puzzle really it includes you know chicago heights flossmore parts of parts of Madison, uh, park forest piatone parts of uh, new lenox uh, you know, I'm looking at the map now because I can't, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's a jigsaw puzzle. It really is. It really is. Uh, I'm looking which, at it now too. And, and it is, uh, you know, Kankakee, Aroma Park, Hopkins Park, you know, it's, you know, some of those areas sound like Republican strongholds. I mean, Piatone, right? Yeah. Uh, St. Anne, Hopkins Park. Those sound like, uh, they might be. Well, most of Kankakee though is Republican territory. Sure. It's, it's Cook County, and of course, Will County. It's yep. Cook County, and uh, shoot, I'm trying to remember this other county right, right here. Cook oh, Grundy. County, I'm Will sorry, County, Grundy. Grundy. Grundy and uh, Grundy. Kankakee County. Right, right. It's Grundy. That's 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 a little bit of a challenge. I hear it's it's trending uh, Republican now. Yeah. But it's it's really the area that I actually live in, that's pretty much predominantly Democrat, and it's that area that I've really got a challenge. To, to look and start doing something different. They yeah. all have economic problems. They all have um, education problems. Uh, you know, the, the one, the uh, charter school that's out here, they're doing quite well. I think all the, all the folks who go to the charter school, I think it's Southland Prep, Southland Prep. Okay. I think that's what it's called. And it's the only charter school out here. They fought hard to get that charter school. And all those folks who are graduating 2020 are heading to college. Uh, it's almost, it's, it's just like urban prep. We've had all these, all these successful charter schools educate our kids and get them out to college, and yet we're still have, having to fight to get charter schools, which are public schools. I mean, people want to say, "Oh, we just want public schools." Well, charter schools are public schools. That's right. And so that's 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 one of the issues that we that we've got in the district is opening up and allowing, uh, you know, educational choice uh, for people so that our kids can do better and be able to um, uh, uh, compete. That's right. A level that, 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 you know, they should be competing. Well, there's no doubt that government schools have been failing our students in Illinois for some time now. And, uh, you know, school choice or education choice is vital. Uh, and, of course, I'm a big proponent of homeschooling. But, uh, you know, Christian in uh, charter schools are a great way also to avoid yes. the pitfalls of, of government schools. So that's good. That's good. Well, Eric, listen, I am. Um, that basically wraps it up for us. Uh, thank you. How can people be praying for you? And once again, tell us how we can contact you or get involved in your campaign if we're in your area. Again, the website is wallaceforillinois.net. Yep. Wallaceforillinois.net. There's information there. There's a donation page. We're always in need of money, especially now. It's, it's been difficult trying to raise money for a campaign. Yep. With people out of work and stuff. But if, if you're in a position where you, you've got some, some money, you can, you know, and it doesn't have to be a lot. It could be $10. It can be $5. It can be $20. You know, it adds up. That's and right. there's, a, there's a phone number there, too, if you want to reach out to me uh, and, and call me on my number. Um, and they yeah, can find you on Facebook as well, Wallace for Illinois. That's right. That's uh, right. On Facebook and uh, all that. So you can follow him and uh, – He's always got something to say, and uh, he's a, uh, a Christian minister, father, uh, pro-life activist, warrior. What else? Uh, <laughs> I can, I can author. Throw, did you throw these little author in there? I'm really author on Let's Talk About Freedom Journal Institute, right? And Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, Freedom, Freedom Journal Institute, uh, freedomjournalinstitute.org, if you want to check that out. Yeah. Um, that's our nonprofit organization. We use money there, too. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> raising money for nonprofit, as you know, is tough these days as well. It is. It is so, uh, time of anxiousness. Well, God right, bless you, right, Eric. Man. And, uh, you know, I would love to see you, uh, a part of the uh, Illinois Senate chamber, uh, leading up maybe even the, uh, the caucus in, uh, the Republican caucus in, in the Senate. Uh, we've got some good people running for it. And, uh, 
boy, if, if all the good guys got elected, we could really make a, a difference. I tell yes. you, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I think God is moving, man. And I, even, even in the midst of this chaos, I think yeah. God is moving and is going to use it for his glory. Well, he's going to use it. That's for sure. So from your lips to God's ears, that's our prayer, dear Lord. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Thank you, Eric, for uh, spending time with us. Welcome back to Illinois Family Spotlight. I'm Dave Smith. And once again, Monty is out on special assignment today. Uh, the second half of the podcast, I am privileged to be joined by the one, the only, Stephanie Trussell. Yay! Uh, Stephanie Trussell is uh, also a new board member for Illinois Family Action. But before yeah. that, she and I have history going way back because she mm-hmm. is pro-life, pro-family, Christian conservative, I'm going to call her a mercenary, uh, (laughs) who's out there doing battle, uh, radio host. She was on WLS for how many years? Seven years, yeah. Seven years, Mm -hmm. and then she was a fill-in guest host for WIND. For about four months, yeah, that was a lot of fun, too. We were hoping you'd get that gig permanently, but... Oh, but it worked out like it was supposed to work out. And now I get to work for the GDX campaign. Um, Wonderful. And I'm having a lot of fun meeting a lot of the great people that I used to interview are now on the same team with me. So I'm enjoying that. So, it's, so it's, you, you've also filled in on WVON, right? You've had yeah. guest appearances. Right. I, I will go into the belly of the beast and, and, and deal with people that completely <laughs> disagree with me. That That's that's Christmas for me. It's a lot of fun. What do you, so. what do you call WVON? I call it the liberal color people station. And that's, the only reason I use color people is because the NAACP still uses it. So I figure I'm a black woman. I can still use it. <laughs> well, you and know, I, I, get mean, a, I get upset when they talk about colored people because, or people of color, actually, because I think, wait a minute, I got some color here. <laughs> but it's a color, you know, right. So I, I don't understand that. But, you know, I'm more or less, when I say colored people, I'm talking about their way of thinking, buying into the whole NAACP, Jesse Jackson mentality and Democrat Party when I say that. But, yeah, so um, I've been very fortunate to be able to interact with people that don't that agree with me and people that don't agree with me. It's it's um, always a good time when everybody yeah, can. You know, so one of the things I love about you, Stephanie, is, you number one, you have no fear, right? You're going to tell the truth. And number two, you're, you're, an, you're an optimist. And that's because I think you're a Christian. Am I right? We have to have faith. If we don't have faith, what is it all about? That things can get better, that things can improve. Because this country has improved so much. And why do we pretend that it hasn't? When you talk to some people, it's it's always 1965, Selma. And we know that not to be true. Because (laughs) I think about God that's just sitting up in, in the great heavens thinking, oh my goodness, why are they still singing, we shall overcome? And we overcame. And we were doing amazing things in this country that we helped build and and as a black republican they'll say oh well you think there's no such thing as racism i said you know there's always going to be liars there's always going to be thieves there's always going to be cheaters and murderers but the difference is that it's not government sanctioned governors keeping us out of schools and keeping us segregated and jim crow and keeping us enslaved it's not popular to be racist anymore what happened to that woman in the uh, park in new york she lost her job she lost her dog because she said some horrible things that's what happens in the society now when someone's racist and so I just think we need to celebrate in Dr. King's legacy, not just Dr. King, all those civil rights leaders that they sat at the back of the bus, they did all this and got hosed, and we're going to sit back and still sing, we shall overcome. We are doing so well in the greatest country on the planet. Let's celebrate what makes this country so great. And when something bad and ugly happens, we, we need to identify that. And, and, and we can all agree that that was bad and ugly. I don't know anybody who's debating what we saw on tape with George Floyd, but it's a big um, jump, um, David, to go from this gentleman, peaceful protest, to neighborhoods that now don't have a Target or a grocery store, and you have grandmas that can't get their prescription drugs, or you have young Black mothers that worked at those stores, single moms, and now they don't have a job. And so, And for people to think that's just the fog of war, is just something that these people need to accept and move on for the greater cause, that's unrealistic. No, you know, what we saw with the George Floyd situation and the Minneapolis cop, I don't know anyone who is making excuses for the cop or even, well, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, so number one, we condemn what happened and we condemn the, the cops who stood around and did nothing, right? Um, when they should have intervened and said, hey, get off of them. What are you doing? 
hard. One thing to have a crooked, bad, evil person go awry and do something like that. But when you have others that sit around and watch it, that's a level. And I don't want to say that's the culture of that police department. But and also when you think about it, David, I was talking to someone in book club. Ironically, this woman had this pearl of wisdom. She said, all those people with their phones, if you're videotaping, you can't call 911. Shouldn't somebody else? I know the cops were there, but couldn't somebody call 911 and say, well, hey, we got a bunch of bad cops here. I, I think they would have got there in less than nine minutes. I don't know, but how everybody would prefer just to videotape it and then really, instead of just helping this guy. Right. You know? so a supervisor would have showed up and, and, and put you. an end to that situation. Thank you. Yeah. Like, yeah, because you, you can't, you can make phone calls and, and take a, a, a still picture, but you can't videotape and call. So they chose to go ahead and videotape instead of dialing 911. So I'm going to go out on a limb and just assume that you support the peaceful protests demanding justice for George Floyd, right? And the situation. Okay. But you draw the line at, I'll just let you fill in the blank. You know, we grew up and we joke about in the black community that they taught you nothing else. They're going to teach you about Dr. Martin Luther King. They didn't teach you about anything else. You knew everything he did, what he stood for. And that's all I keep thinking about his legacy when I see, because I was three years old when he passed away, when he was murdered. And so I just have nothing but video clips and, and just um, still pictures of these well-dressed young black men and women linking arms, um, peacefully protesting oppression that I can't even imagine. And how they never, I, I never saw one picture of Dr. King on top of a police cruiser of throwing a garbage can through a business a window that wouldn't serve him at the lunch counter or anything. And I just keep thinking in the legacy of what he left us and what he taught, why, how can we go from that to, you know, and again, well-dressed young black men and women to wearing, um, you know, these Antifa type bandanas around their faces, doing this in darkness. And, and how can anybody, David, when you hear people say, you know, I'm not for that, but I understand why they're doing it. And I'm thinking anything before the but doesn't matter. If you said you're not for that violence, because when I hear business with this one, when I hear people saying that these business owners just need to accept black people, I heard this because I've been listening to, to black people, urban radio for a long time since this has happened for, I mean, all the time, but even more so recently. And I'll say, well, you know, black people built America. Those people in Minneapolis will be okay. They they have insurance. But some of them let their insurance lap because their businesses were shuttered because the government deemed it not essential or whatever the case. But I heard a truck driver today. They might have a $2,000 um, um, deductible and they haven't made money in three months. So what do you do? But I heard a truck driver today and I usually disagree with him. He calls into this morning show on WBON every morning. And, oh, no, I heard, oh, it's a couple calls that really hit me, but this truck driver that called in, he had gotten through and he normally does. He said, I'm a truck driver. He said, you, it would be hard to get truck drivers to be willing to run loads to Minneapolis with food, supplies, and staples because they don't want to be dragged out of their truck. Yep. And, and, and never thought about it. He's like, that city could literally starve because truck drivers, unless you offer them lots of money to do it, but still, who wants to do something where your life is at risk? They hadn't thought about the fact that Target, and I don't understand this, is because the name Target is literally has a Target on it. Why they were targeting Target? I just, I don't get it. And so, you know, when they write things on the building, David, F the police, F capitalism. I thought this was all about George Floyd. I thought it was in the midst of him and him getting justice. Why doesn't it say justice for George Floyd when they're um, carrying out flat screen TVs? Well, you know what? That brings up another point, which is important. Mm -hmm. I want to get back to Martin Luther King in a moment. Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, I don't know if you saw, Stephanie, uh, Superintendent David Brown from Chicago and the mayor, uh, Lightfoot, doing a press conference the other day, but they both confirmed that they thought this was organized and uh, intentional. They were using um, the police scanners to find out where the police were and then organizing with U-Hauls um, looting, right? Why, so why would U-Haul not shut down and not allow people to, in the word is not thinking that. I wouldn't have th thought that somebody would use U-Haul to do this, but I mean, seriously, wow. The question though, Stephanie is, who organized this? Who right. funded this? Because it wasn't just, I mean, if it was just Chicago, okay, right. maybe just a couple right. of people, but this was nationwide. Right. Exactly. Because, you know, this has been going on for a while and we want to pretend that the first time this happened has been since Trump has been president, but we've had these unrest and Antifa, all this stuff popped up during Obama's reign. And you would see the same people at some time, people would point out this was the same guy that was in Ferguson, that was in Flint, that was in 
what, Seattle and you're wondering how do they have money to travel to all these places, even on Greyhound, it costs money. And the fact that it's so organized and it's so on point and, you know, listening to people trying to blame other people, listening again to the Chicago Urban Station, they were saying that white organizers came in with, with hammers to break the window of the storefront and to tell the black people, go on in and get the jury going. I'm like, so you're trying to make us out to be weak followers. Like, I mean, let's put the blame where it belongs. If it was mostly white people, mostly who cares? They were all, doesn't matter what color. They were all people, too many That's people right. that don't live in those communities that don't care about the cause. Right. Well, they you know, home to their suburbs or wherever else. And they don't have to live without a grocery store, without a pharmacy and without the essentials that, you know, we, we need just to survive. My 19-year-old my son was telling me, uh, he was reading a story that there were pallets of bricks being dropped off strategically. What was that? Right. Why? <laughs> I mean, who's doing this? And that's a good question. And you well, know, so, go ahead. So, so here's what I want our listeners to do. And of course, I'm, I put out an email uh, with the same thing, an action alert contact the White House and contact our federal lawmakers and demand a federal investigation. Mm -hmm. We were attacked. Antifa, BLM, Black Lives Matter, um, the, the anarchists, they right. declared war on America. We need to what? find out who is the organizers and charge them with treason. We cannot pretend anymore like, oh, this was all grassroots and it was organic and oh. it popped as a result of a video like Benghazi. No, no, no. This was, as you said, this was planned. This has been going on for quite some time. And when our president and his family have to take um, shelter in the, the bunker or whatever in the White House, if yep. you're trying to reach the White House, anybody else, any threat to our White House, you would be immediately just vaporized. We cannot just allow, and, and somebody has to help me understand this. Maybe it's bad optics, but how it, or is it that a group of people are allowed to burn down a target or to burn down a police station. Why would policemen have to sit there? I just see pictures of these, these pro, well, let's not call them protesters, these rioters. rioters yeah. All the yeah. policemen's name, they're right in their faces and they have to take it. There's nothing you can do to keep somebody from burning down a police station, seriously. But I guess the bad optics, because they seem to manage to get um, video footage anytime that they feel that there's been abuse by the police officer. We never get footage of other violence or like you said, who's dropping off these pallets of bricks. You know, nobody ever sees that. That doesn't somehow get videotaped. But it just blows my mind that a pastor like you could get arrested for opening up your church, a, a, a restaurant owner, someone that owns a beauty salon trying to service the community. They will come and take you in a minute, but they can't stop people throwing bricks through um, storefront windows or, or I, I, that just, I, know, I don't know. Stephanie, I was, I was, my wife was trying to calm me down yesterday afternoon uh, or Sunday afternoon when I was watching the coverage in New York and they were, they were destroying cop car after cop car on Fox News. I was coming out of my chair saying, why aren't they shooting them with water cannons at least? Anything. Rub at I least. Think rubber bullets may be too rough, but like you said, <laughs> and you, I know when you say hoses, people think about the 60s. This is a different environment. This yeah. is a whole different thing. We, we just can't let them take over our country that we love and we built just because a few people, I mean, it just, a, a, you know, I know, unfortunately, a lot of people started with this organic peaceful protest, but it's been taken over. And I'm sorry, if you went out last night to be a peaceful protester, you, you knew that wasn't going to happen. You were part of the, you know, because you, you know, the peacefulness had been gone a few days ago. This has been so many days in a row where, you know, the peaceful protests, their message is being stomped out. And it's all about the optics. And, and one of my sons kept sending me the link to the one in Aurora. See, mom is very peaceful. By the end of the night, what happened in Aurora? They, they right. were burning Aurora too. And yeah. what I, Aurora, I mean, Rockford, Waukegan, Champaign, Joliet, Springfield, and Peoria. I, th those are the ones I know about. Right, exactly. Some of these malls are shut down. And again, when people had just started to open up their business, they're just yeah. having enough permission yeah. to open up, they're just getting back on their feet. And here we go back again. All of a sudden, we're not talking about COVID. We're no. talking about it now. And I got to tell you, David, you know, I, I live in a community. <sighs> And, you know, and where I was told not to move to because I, there was less than 3% black at the time when I moved here, my family would never fit in. And thankfully I didn't listen to that. Feel very um, much at home. I mean, I, I, I'm a mother with four boys and three of them play football. So our yep. town, we, we host a lot of football kids in our home once a week, once every, every, if you have a kid on the football team, you're going to host a dinner once a season. I had three kids. So, I mean, I hosted a lot of dinners. I filled sure. up my mini with lots of kids. And kids that were from the city that said, we moved out here because 
we're, we're fleeing the violence. Some of them from the neighborhood that I grew up and they just wanted to come out to a community where they could go to school, to a decent school. They could play on the football team or basketball team or run track or do nothing and just live and not have to worry about um, knowing somebody to get in a good school. So to try to paint my community as racist or unaware, I, I was at a business that uh, was boarded up and I went by it today and there were signs from Black Lives Matter. And this business has nothing to do with what's going on. It's almost like in the Bible, you have to put the blood over your door. You got to say you're for this to keep them from getting <laughs> in. And I, I, I saw a bunch of families looking at it. When they walked away, I got out of my car and tore those signs down because this is my community. You're not going to try to paint that we're a bun they're a bunch of guilty wh white people or that don't even know that they're racist because they haven't thought about Good it enough. Said, my community, I know every time anybody's in need, black, Hispanic, white, my community gets together and says, what can we do for you? They don't care about that. And to try to act like, oh, it's DuPage County, it's Republicans, they got to be racist. And so they got it. They got it. We, we, they need to. And like everybody has to come out and say, I'm against police brutality. I'm against hunger in the world. I'm against children. getting." <laughs> I mean, we all we're all against that. So why do you have to say it? It's almost like you. You're again, just trying to say, please don't loot my business. So, so with that in mind, absolutely spot on, mm -hmm. Stephanie. The the fact is, we're all against the injustice of government. Mis mis uh, mis you know, this this officer abused his power, and we're <laughs> against that injustice. But to create more injustice, to somehow pay it back, that's that's what Scripture calls repaying evil for evil, and you're not supposed to do it. And I would like to believe that this is not, is this honoring George Floyd's memory, his name? No. This is burning police cars with, with, with stores that are now boarded up. And David, I grew up on the west side of Chicago. Do you know how many times my mother would point to a vacant lot? And I, I was born in 65, so King and uh, the riots, 68, 69. And this is settled, seven, middle of the 70s, and she would say, this used to be this but it's no longer there. They still haven't rebuilt from the, the King riots. So yep. do you think they're going to rebuild now? There will be places that will, that now companies have no reason to invest in that neighborhood now because the insurance is going to be out of, out of out, you know, way out and it's just going to be harder to operate over there. Who needs that? That's unfortunately that, that, you know, somebody said they should have a sign that says black owned business. So they won't kick in that business. Are you kidding me? I don't care what color that person, if this is a, a family or a company that has come into your community where a lot of companies won't and set up a business and a relationship and offering you goods for, in exchange for money, you should be supporting them because everybody needs that. I like driving five Amen. minutes to my Walmart and I don't have to go 30 minutes to go sure, to the store. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, black owned Chinese or whatever, they're in your neighborhood servicing you, hiring people and, and offering goods and services. How are you going to target them? Exactly. Let me, let me change uh, the, the, um, the discussion a little bit and hmm. focus on how do you think this is going to play out through the rest of the year and affect the 2020 election? Is this going to hurt, help, or just, you know, um, do nothing for Donald Trump's campaign? And the campaign is that we want, uh, we obviously here in Illinois, for Jeannie Ives and other great candidates. You know, a part of me is thinking, well, geez, it's so obvious that this is all part of the left's message. The COVID was to take him down and, and, and do to the economy that they, what they couldn't do, what the Russian investigations and all those other things couldn't take him off point, and he was doing very well. At CPAC in February, we, we were on a gravy train with Biscuit Wheels, David. All we have to do is get to November because the economy, boom, everybody loved Trump. So here we go. Now this comes up as well, and we forgot about the COVID. And I saw part of me is saying that this is an opportunity for him to say, you know, look, you know, this is my policies and this is how we're going to get out of this. And I'm, I'm waiting on him to lead us out of this. And I think, I know he will. And we've got to pray for our leaders, all of our leaders. Amen will to that. Person, but I'm so surprised when people are saying, well, why won't Trump do this? I'm talking about leftists. I'm thinking you guys have no respect for him. Call him all these names, no matter what he does, no matter if he got up and said, whatever you're going to say he's racist he really doesn't care because they have that trump derangement syndrome no matter what they want to recognize the uh the opportunity zones the second chance acts all these things he's done for the black community they pretend that that's not happening and they're making this into a trump issue all this is because of trump all these issues that you keep talking about disproportionately um being negatively affected by all these social ills and that's why they're so built up and so angry that happened long before trump but david you know, I was afraid to say it. I heard a couple radio hosts say it that I respect. The, and Russia has been very clear. Like, these are happening in Democrat rural cities with the Democratic mayor, with the Democratic police chief, with the Democratic yes. prosecutors, the, yes. everybody. In some cases, they're all black, like in Baltimore and all that things happen. So you, you keep, but I keep saying, 
in in the in the in a city ruled by Democrats, poor blacks, you're less likely to go to a successful school. You're in a blighted neighborhood. You're in a shooting gallery neighborhood. All these things, check, check, check. If you're being, I'm targeted by the police officer. I co-hosted with Ricky Hendon on Saturday, who yeah. was an alderman and a state. He got all these stories are getting pulled over in Chicago. And I said, well, you guys keep telling us that the Republican Party is so racist, but when, I hate to say it out loud, these things aren't happening in Republican enclaves. Well, you know, I raised four black men in this community that drove too fast, they had tinted windows, and they had, you know, license plates might be an expired, get pulled over. Hopefully they've been very respectful. I hear these stories, and they come home and they just tell me, oh, I don't know. I, I, I don't see this every day in my community. It seems like in these cities with these, with this, um, democratic policies and especially when it comes to unions that they're going to protect b bad cops and this cop had a record apparently that he wasn't a very good cop i mean he had some insights right. what happens david when the cop gets cited or arrested what's the union's job on monday they oh, show yeah. up their job is to make sure that person doesn't lose their job they make sure bad teachers it's don't the lose their job. exactly i was just about to coaches. say it's chicago public schools do all the they, time you can have porn on your computer, you're this and that, and there's a union representative that's gonna make sure, gonna fight to say you deserve your job and your benefits and you're gonna retire. So that's what we gotta talk about, that all these people were promised all these things in this in this community run by Democrats because they tell black people, you can't be a Republican because they don't care about you, but here you are in a Democrat, 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 just 17 layers of, of Democrat policies, and these things keep happening because the culture of them making black people victims, tell them they can't make it. And, and just, and, and just overall, when you go and you're in a system um, where one out of four black children tend to fail in school, I interviewed a woman running in, um, for us Congress out of Baltimore. She said 85% of the black kids in Baltimore go to a failing school. This, this is happening in LA where they're not proficient in math and English. And who are, Run by, who, who, who's run, running those cities? Democrats and they they need us to be uneducated and dependent on the system That's right. and, and forever and they keep talking about let's close the gap of income but when 70 percent of the black children are born to single parent homes David I know about you you got a lot of kids I do too having yep. two parents is a big help because if it I is. had to feed them because one even if it's not two incomes but somebody staying at home making sure you're not paying for daycare that's and the right. other person, that's why the income gap is, is so wide, because they're already moved, living in a struggling situation. And if your average ACT score in Chicago is 17, that kid's not getting scholarships like you would get, like in my community, where the average ACT score might be 27. And yeah. I always tell people, my, my dumb jock got 26 on his ACT, because our, you know, we're educated in it. I don't care what color you are. It's a good school. We all have standards of what we want all of our schools to be well, like. We don't have one and, and the parents one care school. and the parents care parents two, two parents who are saying hey did you do your homework right <laughs> somebody's checking and you know what two parents david when they become teenagers sometimes i feel like i needed three parents you know watch them all because they're crazy <laughs> they're all banging up against you and i just think about the the choices that my husband and i in the roles and this is before i was walking in christ like i should have been but we made that decision that my husband's job was to go out and get the bacon and bring it home. And, right. and I won. I left a very good job. I was, it was a black woman. I had a job with the city of Chicago. You know, my community walking away from a job like that. Are you crazy? I was told I was trying to be white. But even though I wasn't in Christ, God told me, you stay home and take care of your kids. You'll never regret that. Because when I when I quit my job, all I kept thinking, the, they went into the computer and deleted my name and got somebody else. And I was like, as a mom, I'm not that easily replaced. That's replaceable. Right. We had to drive to vacations instead of flying. We went to the Dells instead of Disney. But I was at home and I was there for my kids, driving them to everything. And it didn't matter. And I, to me, that was more important than being a corporate blah, blah, blah. And, and, you know, and being able to go to Hawaii instead of the Dells. But I hope my kids appreciate the fact that yeah. every time they had a game, my, I joked that my one son would just do this. That meant go get me Gatorade. And then we just go get him some Gatorade and bring it to, you know, because he knew I was always there for him, you know. So, that, the investment know. you made and are making uh, will pay dividends long term, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, praise God for that. Last question for you, okay, Stephanie, yeah. is how does the church or how do Christians respond to all of this? Ooh, David, What's your do recommendation? You, well, I want them to be, first of all, obviously, the word. Go to the word, go to the word, use the word, and that's <laughs> what we fight them with. I mean, that would be nice and not some... Black Lives Matter version of it and white guilt because I'm in a Tony suburb and I hadn't thought about how racist, you know, and I just want pastors to be fearless. David, what you were doing with the pastors to get the churches open, that's the kind of pastors that I want to support. Yeah. That says that you could, government can't tell me how to worship. And when they just, David, when did you hear all those Christians making the argument why we shouldn't open up the churches? I'm thinking, let's just burn them up down and burn them up. Right. Did you make like you don't need the church and this is the time when christians are at that fork of the world we need to be the example when it comes to the riots and praying we just got you know, my my two 
prayer groups on my church and my little group meet, it's just like, we're women, we're mamas, we got to start praying. We got to do that. But we got to not be afraid to confront the ignorance and bite, fight it back with the facts of the Bible. And this is what we're called to do as Christians. And we're, we're all just about loving people. We don't condone this kind of behavior. We don't want anybody to suffer. It's hard for anybody to watch eight minutes of somebody with their knee yep. yep. on neck. We're not, we're not crazy. We know that that's bad, but to say that that justifies now a bunch of people, like my mother, she's um, 72, diabetic. She does, both of her grocery stores are, are shuttered. They weren't, you know, right now, and I'm trying to get to the city to bring her food. We worked out something, but I'm like, so she should have to suffer. And, and she, you know, and she's a black woman and she's a Democrat and she, you know, goes along with all their policies, but now she doesn't have anywhere. Where is she going to get her medicine? Yeah. Because now she has to figure that out because they decided that, you know, that those businesses should pay. And I'm just, I just, I don't understand why would they attack their own neighborhood? You know, you over know? the weekend, I, I saw that very thing, uh, Stephanie. I saw oh, really? uh, a pharmacy being looted in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. and one oh, of yeah. the guys came out with uh, um, an armful of bottles and he's looking at each one and then throwing it in the air. He didn't want that one. I'm, I'm, I don't want that one. I don't want that one. I don't want. <laughs> he knows what he's looking for, I guess. You know, he knows what drugs. But those those prescriptions, prescriptions were people waiting to pick them up. They were waiting for people to come and get them. Well, I think they were OTR, you know, over the counter. OC, oh, OTR those kind of stuff. things. Okay. But, yeah. but I'll tell you, you know, um, the, just our response as Christians is exactly what you're doing and have done, Stephanie, is um, raising and investing in the next generation. This is generational, passing our faith down to our children, passing that baton on to the grandchildren, passing that on to the great-grandchildren, and you will see exponential growth, right? Exponential <laughs> growth of the faith. And that is one of the best ways obviously, of, of, um, of, of affecting the culture. And, of course, Bible studies and groups like that, talking to our neighbors, but passing on our faith and pressing it to, their chi to our children, to our families, and to their children, that's um, vital. And it's not you know, done in a long so time. People, you know, Jesus is love, and that's what we're called as followers of Jesus, is just to love people and, and spread the good news and that, um, you know, I'm just so excited that our churches are opening and we can get back out to just sitting next, okay, not sitting next, next to someone, but you know what I mean? Just <laughs> I love walking really in distant. and, right. and you know, all that thing, you know, sitting well, a couple, whatever, but you know, David, I've recently flew, I know we got to go, when I'm on American Airlines, I got to do a blog about this, packed plane to three and a half hour flights to, to Phoenix. I'm sitting right next to a gentleman. We all wearing our masks. They give you your little bag and they tell you, you can only take your mask off to eat your snack because the Rona won't get you if you're eating a cookie, I guess. But I'm sitting next for three hours next to this guy. I was sitting next to my husband for three hours if we're watching a movie. So the airlines is either trying to kill us or there's something that they're not telling that it's okay to sit next. Well, then we can open up some businesses where nobody works like that for three hours next to someone. And I, I did that on the way to Phoenix and on the way plane, plane was packed to capacity. And I'm like, wait a minute. I thought it was going to be empty and I'd have the whole road to myself. So yeah. what is what are we talking about? It's just crazy. I, I, I can't wait to go to church and sing and just be together and, you know, it, yep. it's going to Amen to that. Amen. Well, you know, I said I'd come back to Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. And I want to do that before we go. And, you know, maybe we don't agree with all his theology, but right. he had some really, he had, I think he had a biblical worldview based on just everything I've read about him and his speeches. And one of the quotes I sent, actually, I posted it on the IFI uh, Facebook page over the weekend was his quote saying, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Mm -hmm. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And that's mm -hmm. biblical. I mean, that is absolutely. And the same thing is with his quote that he wants all of his children to be judged by the content of his care of their character and not the color of their skin. Amen. And, Amen. And, and we we've lost that in this culture. We no longer have that as a goal. We have intersectionality now where we flaunt it. And, and, and instead, I mean, and that's biblical, by the way, because his quote on that, because scripture says that God judges a man. Not by the outward appearance, but by his heart, his character. And it just, and that's what Dr. King was all about. And I keep thinking about those words that he said that they use and use and reuse and take out of context sometimes context sometime to make it fit their agenda. He was doing this in the face where he wasn't sure he was being host. He didn't think what, what he was saying. I, did he believe that one day we would achieve? We were not at the back of the bus. We're getting everything that, you know, that he said. And then now that we get there, then we want to go back to segregated, um, dorm rooms in some of these colleges, which is crazy. And I keep thinking, 
what, what would, would King be for kicking in the Starbucks door? And, I, and then people will say, well, we're more Malcolm X. Malcolm X wasn't about that either. Once he took that trip to Mecca, he changed. And, and even before he was militant, any means necessary, that was different. But that was then. Don't pretend that we haven't come a long way. If we pretend that we haven't, I'm like, that's just a affront to their memory, their their lives, their blood, to pretend that we're not living in freedom. Because I don't know what it's like to be spit on at a, at a lunch counter. I don't know what it's like to sit in the back of the bus because they did. I get to live in freedom. I get to just celebrate America. We have more black millionaires and billionaires than anywhere else in the country. Because we built this country. And that's unfortunately the left wants us to believe that flag isn't ours. You no, know, I, I said this to a, a black pastor uh, just recently that, you know, we should be celebrating every single one of us, even the poorest among us in this country yeah. should be celebrating and thanking God that we live in the greatest country known to man yeah. at, at this time where we live, even the poorest among us at a live. higher standard than yeah. the Kings and Queens in the 1600s. Thank you. I mean, air conditioning, flat screen TVs, things yes. that we you know, smartphones. We take smartphones. <laughs> I mean, we just we have a computer in our hands, and a lot of. I mean, this is the like you said, the poorest amongst us. And I think about judging people just by you know. And my husband's this bald white guy. He has a Trump shirt on. I said people would look at him and say he's got to be a racist. They don't know my husband's story and, and how many <laughs> black men he's raised and all this. I said, but automatically knee-jerk reaction is what they're trying to do with this whole mess is just try to say America is racist, um, right. and right. and that you know black people don't have a chance. And that white privilege thing. To me, it hit me yesterday, I posted, so you think your life is better than mine. You feel guilty about your white privilege. You think my life was so horrible and yours was better and you feel bad about it. I said, my life is, I keep telling black people, even when I talk to black Democrats, and I post on their page, you know it's pretty cool being black though, right? We, we, our culture, our food and music. How are you? I love being black. Why are you guys supporting around? Ooh, it's black America. What? I'm like, I grew up poor on the west side of Chicago. The best childhood I can ever imagine, you know, playing hide and seek in the dark. I love being black. And for whatever reason, God put me in this packaging and then gave me these values that make me um, get yelled at by my family member. Somebody I really love today yelled at me and said, you're black and hung up on me because I took <laughs> those signs down in my neighborhood. I said, "That's not, I'm not going to let them paint my community as some, you know, bunch of white people that don't care about black people. That's because that's not the community I moved yeah, to in 94 and I've lived or whatever. So, you know, just stop, stop pretending that you're going to, well, white people aren't looking, let's just admit it is pretty cool being black. Come on now. I, I think it's awesome, but whatever. So it is. You know. It is awesome. So um, oh, thank wait, you. Really quick. I'm sure it's cool being white too, baby. Whatever color you are. <laughs> you embrace it. You had no choice. That's what God put you in. Make it work. You know? Well, you That's know what? I, I celebrate my Irish heritage, and I, mm -hmm. I love that. Um, the Irish aren't good cooks, though. You know that. So, yeah, they're not known for the food. No, know, they're, not, they're not. But music and beer, I guess. But right, uh, right. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say, let's go to an Irish restaurant. You know, I learned Italian and Greek. And never, yeah, I want some potatoes, please. Let's uh, you, you, if you want boiled chicken, boiled right. chicken, boiled. Are you boiled. kidding me? All right. <laughs> Anyway, with that, let's. Uh, I want to just encourage our listeners, pray for our country, act out, contact the White House, demand the DOJ, look into who is behind all of these riots and organizing to destroy America, and let's put them on trial and charge them with treason. That's what I say. So anyway, with that, Stephanie, it's great to have you on the IFA board and to work <laughs> oh, with you. You're a hoot. I love it. Well, thank you. A lot of fun, David. Thank you for everything you're doing. Keep it coming and tell everybody you've got to follow your website. you got to support you guys because you're doing the hard work on the front line for all oh, the family. Before we go now, you have a weekly show on Facebook oh. Live. Let's tell yeah. people about that. Well, oh, I, I was trying to do my own show on Sunday, but I got some technical issues and I want to get it perfect and great. So I'll be resuming that soon. But every Tuesday, they, they keep calling us unicorn black Republican women. But I, we got four of them on one show. One of them is running for Congress. And we keep interviewing all these wonderful black women that are running for Congress as well. The black conservative female every Tuesday, Chicago time at 730 to 830. Just some fired up Christian. And I thought I loved Trump. David, I met these women. These women wrote books about Trump not being racist. They've been praying for Trump for the beginning. I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to rev up my story. These are amazing women that I'm so happy that God brought us together. And we're out there just spreading the message of love and, and why we love this country, even though we're in this packaging and we're supposed to hate it. But uh, so every Tuesday, black conservative female at 730. And on Facebook. On Facebook, Facebook show. So great. And I'm also working with Jeannie Ives. We got to take back the six. I'm That's very right. excited about working. I'm working with some amazing people and we're having a lot of fun. 
Amen. Good deal. All right, Stephanie, talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Illinois Family Spotlight. For more information, please visit us at ifiaction.org and look for us on Facebook and Twitter. If you would like to email us questions or comments, please do so at feedback at ifiaction.org. Until next time, stay engaged and keep your eyes on the prize.